Hey Tech fans, this is Bailey Angle, the in-venue host of Virginia Tech Athletics. When I'm not playing games with fans on Hokie Vision, I actually work full-time with the Hokie Club. Now, did you know that Triumph Together is coming up on August 23rd through the 25th, which are Virginia Tech Athletics' biggest giving days of the year? You can sign up to be an ambassador for Triumph and encourage your friends to give. The top ambassadors with the most referrals can win exclusive prizes, like indoor club seats at Lane or even sideline passes for Enter Sandman. Head on over to HokieClub.com to learn more more about Triumph Together and find out how you can sign up to be an ambassador today. We're going to give this video thing a try. It's our first time. It's actually not our first time because we tried to do it with Brad and Evan and I screwed it up, but we're going to try it again. I actually just screwed it up before this because it recorded 12 minutes and it wasn't even recording. So we've had some practice. We've had some practice, but I'm Billy Ray Mitchell. I'm in Portsmouth, Rhode Island, and I have, it's reversed. I have Pat Finn here. He is in Charlotte, North Carolina. We are the Sons of Saturday and we are here to break down this incredible 2022 season that everybody is extremely, extremely excited about. But we're going to bring in our friend, Mike McDaniel from Sports Illustrated, a new father. He's got on a great hat and a big old smile. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Good, man. You're bringing me in for a second time. In the last <laughs> I'm bringing minutes. you in for a second time. We're acting like we're doing this for the first time, but I'm bringing you back in for a second time. Um as always, this podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Main Street Pharmacy. If you need prescription medication, if you need some over-the-counter medication, you got a little, got a little runny nose, got a, little, <clears throat> got a little cough problem. Head on down there, go get yourself some cough drops, go get yourself some, uh, you know, Zquil, Nyquil, whatever you need. Or if you want our game day pins, which are going to be fantastic, we have some new logos and some new stuff coming there um, for all the Power Five games. We will have your pins. The only place that you can get them if you don't see Pat Grayson or myself will be at Main Street Pharmacy. Now, we have a hokey haiku, and this hokey haiku is brought to you by Roe Butte Burford, and the haiku goes, marathons are fun. Good luck, Pat and Brian Finn. Support Jimmy V. So, Pat, give us the update on everything going on with your uh, with your marathon training, the marathon fundraising, the marathon excitement. Where are we? Well, first and foremost, thank you, Aunt Ro, for the uh, the hokey haiku. Love the uh, the family submission this week. Marathon training has been a, a tremendous challenge. Uh, we are seven and a half weeks out. October 9th is the big day in Chicago. My brother and I are running the Chicago Marathon on Team V, uh, supporting the V Foundation for cancer research. We are really excited about that. And um We'll tell you a little bit more about how you can get involved, but the training's been tough, man. I have shin splints, and this is the first time I've ever had shin splints. Sons of shin splintery. Got to tell you, wouldn't wish this on anyone training for a marathon, you know? Give me shin splints any other time, uh, but not right now. So I've been icing, been going to PT, just trying to, you know, limit the tibulo posterior, whatever it's called, uh, muscle aching. <laughs> and, you know, we're, uh, we're getting through it. I haven't ran in like close to two weeks. I'm trying to get back out there this weekend, do like a 10 miler and see if we can get back on the horse. But 
We're, we're raising four thousand. Ooh, I just stopped my camera. We're raising four thousand dollars. <laughs> we're at twenty seven hundred dollars of our goal. Do the math. The delta is thirteen hundred dollars. Guess what we're trying to raise over the next month? Thirteen hundred dollars. If you want to contribute, check out the uh, the tweet pinned on my profile, and uh, and uh, we'll uh, we'll put that in the article as well. <laughs> so thank you all. Thank you for checking in, Aunt Row and Billy Ray, and uh, appreciate everyone's support on that. So speaking of support, Mike's got to support a family now. Mike's got to Mike's got to put food on the table. Okay, Mike has to set the table. But we're going to set the table for you guys at home listening to Sons of Saturday right now. We're going to set the table with Roots Natural Kitchen. Check them out in Blacksburg on Price's Fork Road in the shopping center where uh, McAllister's is. You know, you know that place. Go ahead and check out their their El Jefe Bowl. I know Mike Santa Maria loves the El Jefe Bowl, but uh, we're going to be putting out promo codes all season long. We're going to be doing video content from Roots all season long. The healthy healthy alternative. Uh, to eat well in Blacksburg, in Charlottesville, in Richmond. Might have a place in Nova now. Uh, Happy Valley, wherever you live, if you got a roots, uh, we'll be putting out promo code soon. So let's set the table. What is everyone saying about this Virginia Tech team? Well, first, let's talk about last year, okay? Virginia Tech in 2021 finished 6-7. and seven. We went 4-4 four and four in conference. We had a horrendous loss. Around Christmas time in the Pinstripe Bowl, stands. Yeah, we were there. Stands we were before there. the game was a lot of fun. Uh, everything else was was pretty horrible. Enjoyed the helmets. Enjoyed the throwback unis. Didn't really uh, enjoy much of anything else. But you got you got to look back on a season and, and take the highs and take the lows. The lows: Pinstripe Bowl loss, Syracuse loss, the Notre Dame loss, the West Virginia <laughs> loss. <laughs> giving up at Boston College, that's when you knew, man. But we had some fun, too. And we're going to have some fun uh, this season. We had some fun against Carolina. The COVID comeback game, the game that ended COVID. Um, you know, I remember just jam-packed in Lane Stadium with 66,000 of my best friends. Enter Sandman. A defensive I cried. For the ages. I literally cried. Sam Howell throwing three interceptions. Just getting after that ass. And uh, (laughs) we're ready to do that again next month in Lane Stadium. And then we had a heroic win against the University of Virginia Thanksgiving week, as we always do. And that was a ton of fun to keep the cup. So this year, 2022, we do not know what to expect. Um, There's no hype around this team really coming from anywhere around college football. And the ACC is saying that we're not going to be any good. But there is some hype and there is some energy from within this team. And that is exciting. Feels like there's a newfound energy that really hasn't been there in a while. So, I mean, just first glance, like this is a team that has talent, but they don't have depth, right? Um, How deep in the season can this team go with how deep they are from a depth chart perspective? Um, The question is, can joy and happiness return to Blacksburg in the form of Virginia Tech football, not just for one night in September, but for an entire season. So before we get into it, Mike McDaniel, talk to us about, you know, what Las Vegas is saying. I I know what the national vibe is around college football. There really isn't one. What is the vibe from Vegas? 
most sports books have tech somewhere between six, six and a half wins. Now, Vegas Insiders has Virginia Tech at five and a half, which I love that number, five and a half, because I think the floor for this Virginia Tech team is probably six wins. I think the only way for Virginia Tech to not make a bowl game would be for there to be multiple key injuries. I'm talking like quarterback goes down, like Grant Wells goes down, then Jason Brown is worse than anticipated behind him. Multiple injuries on the offensive line, multiple injuries on the defensive line. Like that's what it would take for Virginia Tech to not make the bowl game, in my opinion. So if you're getting a five and a half line at Vegas Insiders, I think you take the over there. Six, six and a half, it's tougher because I think you can kind of fall either way there. We'll get into the schedule later, but this is a Virginia Tech team that has talent but doesn't have depth, which makes it a really interesting line to see Virginia Tech right around that six win mark in Vegas. I do want to add, um, you know, shout out to the worldwide leader in sports, um, ESPN. They do a great job of remaining, um, you know, keeping it all the right way, reporting on things the right way, not not doing first takes, not doing it for clicks or whatever. And they have this amazing, amazing, amazing um, tool that is called FPI. Um, and FPI has the Hokies listed as second to last behind Duke um in fpi so um look worldwide leader in sports they bring bad cameras to lane stadium um they're an absolute joke they never get the right games on television um so for as far as i'm concerned fpi stands for bleeping pathetic infograph so that is what i think about the the fpi so that's that's what everybody else is saying let's talk about our football team let's talk about our guys pat why don't you go ahead and kick it off with uh with our guys let's talk about them All right, so we're going to talk about the position group review here, starting off with the offense. Then we're going to chat about the Coastal Division, and then we'll finish it up with talking about our schedule and some awards, rapid-fire style. So the offense, Tyler Bowen, first-year offensive coordinator, Tyler Bowen. Uh, Tyler Bowen comes from the Jacksonville Jaguars, where he was a tight ends coach. He was the co-offensive coordinator at Penn State. Uh, He was an offensive coordinator at uh, Fordham, where he was breaking records. Here's what I like about Tyler Bowen. He's a guy's guy. Everyone in that tight ends room loves Tyler Bowen. I've heard it. I've heard it from a number of tight ends, how much they love Coach Bowen. But we're not talking about that first. We're talking about the offense, okay? We don't need to talk that in depth on the tight ends yet. Um, What I like about Tyler Bowen is Tyler Bowen is not the quarterback's coach. Tyler Bowen's job is to call the offense and coach up the tight ends. For the very first time in quite some time, we have a quarterbacks coach specifically to coach the quarterbacks, Brad Glenn. Coach Brad Glenn has been a quarterbacks coach, uh, you know, for multiple decades. And you just got to appreciate that, um, you know, Bowen's going to call the offense. Coach Glenn is going to work in the quarterbacks room. So have to appreciate that. Uh, As we heard yesterday, Grant Wells was named the starting quarterback. Grant Wells is a Marshall transfer. He's a veteran in college football at this point. He's been around locker rooms since uh, 2019. He redshirted 19, got the COVID year in 2020 where he played, uh, started out 7-0 at Marshall that year. 2021, threw for 3,500 yards, 16 touchdowns, 13 picks, and, you know, you throw for 3,500 yards in college football in 2021, that's good for a top 15 clip across all of FBS. 
Um, so you got a guy like Grant Wells coming in. We could get three years out of him. He wins a starting job. He looks the part. And Brad Glenn is saying some really good things about him. He said that he is the most accurate quarterback that he has ever coached uh, in two plus decades of coaching. So high praise, high remarks, excitement can build just from that. No doubt. And I wanted to shout out Chris Coleman. Uh, I was listening to Tech Sideline podcast today, and he made a great comparison that I'll second here. Um, He made a comparison from Ryan Willis to Grant Wells. Uh, I couldn't agree more. Um, Extremely, extremely accurate thrower of the football. Um, I do worry about that turnover ratio, which we talked about. That said, Marshall threw the ball 38 times a game, which is a ton of times to throw the football. To pair that to Virginia Tech at 24 last season. But what I wanted to do is I wanted to dive into some of his multiple interception games um, and see if we can find a common denominator. So as you're listening along, see if you can find that common denominator. Game one came against Navy. Roll goats. Uh, Marshall rushed for less than 100 yards, if you exclude Wells' output from uh, running the ball. But he still passed for 333 yards on 30 attempts. Then they play ECU. He was sacked five times and hurried on nine of those uh, on nine additional passes, and he still passed for four forty-three on thirty-nine attempts. And then MTSU, he was sacked twice, hurried an additional three times, and threw the ball forty-seven times. Forty-seven times he threw the football. He also got three hundred twenty-one yards. So his worst games came at the beginning of the season. That's one thing, but they also came when he either didn't have run support or he was under duress. So. Aside from that, though, Grant Wells is an athlete. He stretches the field. Pat, as you mentioned, at a yards per attempt clip, he's right up there with every, with all of the elite quarterbacks. He averaged almost eight yards per attempt. I think the, the, the secret sauce here is if we can protect him, we can establish the run with this big stable of healthy backs that we're going to talk about in a couple minutes and not ask him to throw the ball 50 times. This kid has a really good chance to be solid at this quarterback position. Mike, what are your thoughts on on Grant Wells? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think the comparison to Willis is good because I think that Wells has the arm talent of Willis. I also think he has the turnover concerns of Willis. But I think what separates Grant Wells uh, from Ryan Willis is his ability to create outside the pocket, right, where – Ryan Willis's only option maybe at times was to throw it up into coverage because he didn't have the escapability in the pocket. Whereas I think if you look at Wells, you know, I think he has the opportunity where if maybe his first couple of reads are covered, he can tuck it and run and be a little bit more efficient in the run game than Willis was just a different kind of athlete at the quarterback position. So I, I think there are certainly some concerns with Wells, but the talent is clearly there, but I think there are some things to like too um, in, in terms of, arm talent, ability to complete a high percentage of his passes. Um, the, the talent that he has here at Virginia Tech, I think, in, in the receiver room is, um, at least by the time Wells leaves here, will surpass what he's had at Marshall um, with, with the way I, I expect Virginia Tech to kind of accumulate talent here over the next couple seasons. But really looking forward to see if Wells can establish himself as a quarterback, not only for this season, but for multiple years, because that's something that Virginia Tech has really struggled with. Go back to the Fuente era there were a lot of things that plagued that, but when you look at kind of where things started to fall apart, it's when the quarterback position was not as consistent, right? Or, and you didn't have one guy taking snaps over multiple seasons. 
it was a revolving door for the last like three to four years. And I think Wells now coming in multiple years of eligibility left. He has an opportunity to step in, be the guy. This is his offense and kind of be the starter for multiple years to come. I think that's the hope for a lot of Virginia Tech fans that there's finally some consistency at the position. You know what, what really didn't happen over the last few years was us having consistency in the quarterback room year over year, or even having a quarterback start and finish the same season. And a lot of the times that we didn't have our quarterbacks throw the ball down the field and Grant Wells can throw the ball down the field. I mean, um, multiple times, every single time he's out there, Grant Wells is throwing the ball down the field. Um, Now, as far as other guys in the room, Jason Brown, the transfer from South Carolina, is looking like the clear-cut number two right now, and he's very talented. Um, Started four games last year for South Carolina, and I was at that Florida game in November, and he, he looked really good. He looked great that day. I know he got the game ball, um, and then he also beat Auburn last year when starting for South Carolina. So we got a talented guy who's won uh, in SEC stadiums. Then we got Taj Bullock and Devin Farrell, both who started their career at Virginia Tech. And it'll be interesting to see the development of both Bullock and Farrell. Bullock, you know, huge, just very, very big guy. We saw a little bit of him in the pinstripe bowl. And then Devin Farrell is more of a, um, a mobile threat. So it should be interesting to see because over the last few years, I mean, last year we saw Burmeister, we saw Blumrick, Knox Kadem, Taj Bullock. The year before, in 2020, we saw Quincy, we saw Hendon Hooker, we saw Braxton Burmeister. You know, you're going to get more than just Grant Wells this year. Um, if I could wave my magic wand, it would say we're going to have the same guy starting the first game as the same guy who's finishing the bowl game. But that's not the case in college football with the volatility of injuries. Um, so I know that Jason Brown will be ready to go when his number is called. Same with uh, Bullock and Farrell. You know, um, it's not necessarily a deep room after that. So here's the thing. Grant Wells can throw the ball. Coach Pry wants to establish the run. So we're going to talk about the running game, the running backs, and, uh, you know, you think Virginia Tech football, you think running the ball, playing good defense. And this could be a room that we really haven't seen that much out of on the field as far as lighting up the stat sheet. But this is probably the or one of the deepest units of the entire roster. Um, there is talent in this room. It's just how are we going to develop this talent and see a product on the field? So returning guys, we got Jalen Holston, Keyshawn King, Malachi Thomas, you know, uh, three folks who have proven that they can be contributors on the football field. Holston comes back uh, 200 yards last year, one touchdown. Keyshawn King had uh, just over 117 yards and a touchdown. Malachi Thomas was the leading rusher last year out of the running back room and um, had over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Um, you know, when I think of Holston, I think of a guy who's just solid. And, you know, this is really, it seems like Holston's been around forever at this point. You know, he was playing against Marshall in that 2018 makeup game from, uh, you know, which seems so long ago. Um, Keyshawn King, 
you think explosive. You know, you think of his touchdown against Georgia Tech in 2019 out of the backfield catching the pass. Think of his touchdown against Duke this past fall. Um, how can Keyshawn King stay in the lineup and continue to be explosive? You know, can he be a guy to get 10 plus carries a game? You know, we don't know that at this point. And then Malachi Thomas, we saw some incredible, uh, incredible uh, efforts from him last year, you know, in that Syracuse game specifically where he had a breakout game. And, you know, there's been some rumors and people aren't sure if Malachi Thomas is healthy or not. We're not really sure. He missed practice and, um, you know, was not at fan day. So, you know, those are unanswerable questions for us right now. But, um, you know, those are definitely the, the top three guys that, you know, have made an impact thus far and will continue to make an impact hopefully uh, this fall. I'm going to pass it over to Mike. Um, or sorry, let me pass it to Billy Ray and then we'll pass it over to Mike uh, without the other guys. Sure. Um, to me, the running back room is the most packed room. But I think that over the past, the running back room has been packed and we haven't had a ton of guys that have been ready to go. Um, this year, that's not really the case. Um, I would say my messages to a couple of these guys, Jalen Holston, he's talked and tweeted a lot about getting a shot. Here's his shot. Um, this is your opportunity right now. You're one of the older guys on the offense. You can have an opportunity to get the ball and make some plays. Keyshawn King, uh, extremely explosive. We've seen him do it before. He had that injury off the field, um, you know, stuff going on or whatever. Uh, the kid's a burner with a ton of talent. And again, here's an opportunity for you to jump onto the scene. Malachi Thomas, guy that's proven himself. He's only going to get better as a true freshman to come in with that skinny body and make the impact that he made was amazing. Um, and then Chance Black and Kenji Christian have to to been two guys who were raved about and highly recruited. I'm really, really excited specifically about Chance Black. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year. Uh, and then to round that group out, from what I've heard from others in and around camp, Bryce Duke is a dude like he is a guy who is going to make an impact this season. So this to me is the deepest, the deepest room that we have maybe on the entire team um, and a bunch of guys who have really, really unique talents and different, different body types. So interested to see how we incorporate them and uh, how we work them into the fold. I think there's like a clear delineation, right? I mean, I think there's Holston, there's King, there's Malachi Thomas, there are questions about Malachi Thompson's health right now, right? And he's week to week, whatever that means. We'll see when he's ready. I, But when you look at this running back room, I mean, I think it's those three at the top. And then once you get past that, right, you have an injury or two, then who is it, right? Then it, then you're starting to get into the young guys. You're getting into the Kenji Christians who have been around a couple of years, but haven't contributed yet. You're getting into the Chance Black, right? Been around, contributed minimally last year. Bryce Duke, right? True freshman. So... I like the depth. I think there's a lot of talent there, um, but it only takes an injury or two for you to start to get to the young guys where it's like, okay, a lot of these young guys, we, we're talking about the depth across the roster. We're talking about the running back room probably having more depth than any other position, which is something I agree with, but it doesn't take long before you start to get into the unproven depth portion of the conversation, which I think, you know, in this case is Bryce Duke, Chance Black, Kenji Christian. Um, doesn't mean they, they can't contribute right away. doesn't mean they can't step up and, and be very good players. Um, but an injury or two, and all of a sudden we're talking about some young guys getting snaps again, just like Malachi Thomas had to do last year. And need to remember, your running back room is only as good 
as your offensive line. And there's definitely some question marks there as well. We're going to talk about the offensive line, but first we are going to chat about the wide receivers. Wide receivers. There's talent here too. This is definitely the the uh, the most unproven room, I would say, on our offense. Um, you know, you, you lose a career guy like Trey Turner, uh, Tavion Robinson transfers to Kentucky. You lose Jaden Payute, who just could never stay healthy. Um, and you return guys like Caleb Smith, Daywan Lofton, um, you know, Jalen Jones, Jaden. Uh, we got a new guy, Jaden Blue. Like, there's so many question marks around the wide receiver room. Caleb Smith returns uh, after 20 receptions, 260 yards, and two touchdowns. Caleb Smith has been the guy that everyone is talking about in the wide receivers room uh, this spring and uh, into this fall camp. You know, seems like he's bulked up a little bit. I know that um, I know that he has really bought in to Coach Pry and this staff. And uh, we're going to learn a lot about Caleb Smith this fall and see how much of a contributor he can be. Is he going to be the wide, the wide receiver number one? Or is it going to be Daywan Lofton, who, I mean, this guy, Daywan Lofton came on our podcast after he signed with Tech. And I think to this day might be the, the, uh, the best recruit interview we did. I don't know if you'll agree with that, Billy Ray, but, uh, I mean, Daywan Lofton was so fun to interview. So much energy, just knew that this guy was going to make an impact on the field. Uh, he got some burn last year, caught seven balls for 98 yards and a touchdown. I just got to say this right now. Let's sound it out. It's not Dwayne. It is day one, kind of like Obi-Wan Kenobi or, you know, day one, but one, not one, uh, one. So day one and uh, day one Lofton was the offensive MVP <laughs> in spring ball. So, these are two guys that are probably going to be um, the guys that Grant Wells is referring to or, uh, or uh, relying on here early on. We got guys like Jalen Jones, Christian Moss, Jaden Blue, who, you know, has put, uh, he's a transfer from Temple. I know he has been battling, you know, some, some personal family issues, um, you know, right when he enrolled at, at Virginia Tech. You got a guy like Tucker Holloway who could come in and, be an immediate contributor as well. Um, with the wide receiver room, I mean, what do you think, Bill? Like, what are we looking at? Look, I'm not going to get in here and 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 try to say a bunch of stuff that I, I don't believe. That, that I'm just gonna I'm gonna give him a little bit of a pep talk here. I have no idea what to expect from this wide receiver room. I have written down IDFK. I I, I have no idea what to expect from this room, but. If there's a room on this team that should have a chip on their shoulder, it's this one. It's Caleb Smith being told that he should transfer to a smaller school. It's Jaden Blue getting a chance to prove himself at the Division One Power Five level coming from Temple. Um, and it's, hey, young guys, you're going to have an opportunity to show up. I think back to 2014 when a young Isaiah Ford and a young Cam Phillips weren't really given an option. It was like, hey, you guys are going to have to play. You guys are going to have to play a lot. And if we're going to be any type of good, you guys are going to have to be productive. And they stepped up to that, uh, to that, to that challenge. So, 
you know, Daywan Lofton, Caleb Smith, looking for, I, I think those are the two that I, I feel like I can hang my hat on as the two that are going to be productive and going to be targeted. But we're going to need some of those guys from the Jalen Moss, the, uh, the Jalen Jones, Christian Moss, Jaden Blue, Tucker Holloway. Like someone's going to have to step up. Um, here's what I do know, though. We talked about it earlier. We have a quarterback that can get them the football. Um, so that's it. Step up, answer the bell. This, this group for me is the one group that I think needs to come into the season with a huge chip on their shoulder. The wide receiver room is the most unproven room on the entire roster, right? Um, at least with running backs, you know kind of what you got, right? Quarterbacks, yeah, you can say that like the the two guys who are going to be the primary contributors of the position, right? Whether it be Wells or if he gets hurt, Jason Brown. The one thing you could say there, a quarterback is like, okay, at least these guys have experience, right? Last year it was you know, Burmeister gets hurt. It's like, oh man, who's going to, who's going to go out there and play. It's kind of like that in the wide receiver room, right? It's like, okay, if this guy gets hurt at the top, right? Caleb Smith. Okay. Daywan Lofton hasn't played a ton, right? He had seven catches last season. Jalen Jones hasn't played a lot. Like Jaden blue is, I think going to get a lot of playing time transfers in from temple. Um, He's, he's talented, right? He's, he's a good football player. He has an opportunity to contribute right away. I think he'll be on the field a lot. But, like, the biggest question for me is, like, what is Caleb Smith? Because his entire career, he's been a possession receiver. That's what he's been. He's never had to, and, and he hasn't had to be in that position where I'm I'm the guy, right, at, at wide receiver. I'm, I'm the wide receiver one. Like, I'm the guy who, you know, demands the football. I'm not sure he's going to be that guy, even though he's going to be in that role right? He's the biggest question. Um, there's no more Trey Turner on the roster. There's no more Tavion Robinson on the roster. There's not a guy who's like proven where you know that, you know, you know what you're going to get out of them consistently. Like you have that with Caleb Smith to a degree, but you ha- he's never seen the volume that he's going to see this year. We've never seen him have to be in a position where he's going to be thrown the ball a ton. He's always been the third or fourth option. Now he's the first option, which could be good, or it could just underscore the fact that this receiver room right now on paper is just not very good, which is my concern, right? Even though I do think there's talent. So a lot of questions in the receiver room. There, There is depth. It's a lot of unproven depth. You guys talked about Christian Moss. You guys talked about Tucker Holloway, a really exciting freshman. One guy you guys didn't mention that I want to bring up real quick, Stephen Gosnell, Benji Gosnell's brother. He transferred in from North Carolina. Um, he's been like nicked up here and there in camp, but um, he's been contributing with the ones and the twos. So he's a guy to watch at the receiver position as well. Really fast, reliable hands um, was buried on the depth chart at UNC. Cause they got a million really good receivers, um, but he has a chance to be a really productive player as well. So I do like the players in this room a lot. Um, now, whether or not they're going to contribute and be, you know, productive to the degree the tech needs them to be, to have a really successful year. That's a whole nother question. And, and that's just, um, it's the most unproven position group on the entire roster, in my opinion. So we're going to come in towards the line here and talk about the tight ends at Virginia Tech. Returning this year, Nick Gallo, who has uh, made some strides, that one most improved in spring ball and had 14 catches last year, 130 yards, pretty decent numbers for a tight end at Virginia Tech. Drake Deulis, Charlotte's finest, uh, returns five receptions, 76 yards, his first career touchdown in that Syracuse game. 
got a guy, Connor Blumrick, who Dax, <laughs> Dax was telling funny stories about him uh, on the Dax pod. Go listen to it if you want to hear a funny Connor Blumrick story. Um, Blumrick won the Frank Beamer Ultimate Teammate Award in spring. He's an athletic specimen. He's not going to be your traditional hand in the dirt uh, tight end more so, you know, will probably be brought in on specific types of packages. And then you got a guy, Daquan Wright, who has been uh, turning heads and wowing folks all over Blacksburg, uh, you know, through spring camp and fall camp. Um, so I, I think that the tight ends, I think if you want to describe the tight end room in one word, it's solid. You know, you don't have a guy like James Mitchell coming back who, you know, could be first team all ACC. Um, You know, you don't have a Bucky Hodges in there, but you do have solid tight ends in the tight end room. So I had Shelton Moss crunch some data for me um, because the basically this comes from tech doesn't really have an option. Um, The tight end room is going to have to be productive. So I went ahead and I said, okay, can you can you shine a light a little bit on exactly how Tech has utilized the tight end position? Because we've said TEU and everything else, but the room has had a lot of talented guys and we've had some great moments. But when you actually break down the numbers, uh, here is where they ranked nationally in percentage of passing targets to tight ends. And for the sake of this exercise, we included Sam Rogers and Steven Peoples in basically the fullback position because it was used very similar to a tight end in a lot of cases. So in 2016, we targeted tight ends 11.2% of the time. That's 73rd. 2017, six and a half. That's 100th in the nation. Uh, And then 2018, 12%, 65th. And then in 2019 and 2020, we were in the top 40. We're at 2019, we had 18.1%, which was good for 39th. And 2020 at 26.1%, which was 13th in the country. And then 2021, we fell back down to 12.5%, which was 85th, which was interesting because we were top 10 in the nation for having tight ends in formation with their hand on the ground. Um, I say all of this to say this, Virginia Tech does not have an option. The tight ends are going to have to be utilized. And I think they're going to be put in position to be successful and have an impact outside of blocking. Tech really had to rely on them to help out in these jumbo formations and and be in the blocking scheme. I think we're going to see a lot more from the tight end room on uh, pass catching, making plays, and being involved in the offense. Mike, what do you think? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I I just talked about a position group that I felt kind of the worst about in terms of, like, you know, knowing what they're going to give you. Outside defensive backs, like, I feel pretty good about tight ends. Like, you kind of know what you got, which you can't say for a lot of this roster, right? Um, Nick Gallo, like, we know he's played. He's just going to have a, a bigger role. Um, Drake Julius bigger role, right? We saw him a bit last year. We know he can produce. Those are going to be your two like hand in the dirt tight ends. Then you get into your more athletic group, right? Where it's Daquan Wright, freshman. I don't know how much he's going to contribute, but he's more than just a hand in the dirt tight end. He's okay. We can split him out and he can make plays in space. That's what his high school film showed. Um, He can do a little bit of everything. Then you have Connor Blumrick, who is probably never going to line up at the end of the offensive line in a traditional tight end role. Maybe we're wrong with that. I, I don't know. We'll see. But I see him more as like an H back or we're going to split him out or we're going to stick him in the backfield or, you know, is he going to line up the quarterback some and, and, you know, take some direct snaps, that sort of thing. He's going to line up all over the field. Um, Brent Pry and his staff have talked about the fact that 
in Blumrick's case in particular, like there's no one set position for him, but they know he can be utilized because he's extremely athletic and we know what he can do with the ball in his hands. So it's going to be really interesting to see how they use him. They, they kind of hit him in spring, which I think was smart. Um, didn't really show too much of their hand uh, throughout spring, spring game. Um, absolutely have been hiding Connor Blumrick. So how he's going to be utilized starting game one against ODU is what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And then we move on to the offensive line where you you can't get more fired up about Joe Rudolph. To me, that was the most surprising and eyebrow-raising and exciting hire of this new staff. Um, one of the absolute best in the country coming from Wisconsin. Uh, we do return Johnny Jordan. We do return Caden Moore. We do return Silas Zanzi, and we do return Parker Clements, all of who have some experience here. Um, the issue for me here is we literally have two tackles that can that I feel comfortable lining up a tackle. Um, behind them, we have two freshmen, and that's it. So offensive line, injuries, getting nicked up, that is, that's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. Um, we saw that as a little bit of a problem during the COVID year, uh, where we lost, um, I believe we lost Christian Derisaw going into the, uh, the Miami week. Um, we saw some young guys playing in there and it makes a huge difference, especially given what, um, we believe Grant Wells has a little bit of a struggle with, uh, with pressure and sacks and everything else. So health is wealth with this unit. Um, it's going to be absolutely crucial. And again, it's another position where some young guys are going to have to jump in. Some young guys are going to have to make a difference. Um, and we're going to see how that, uh, how that shakes out. Mike, what do you think? The offensive line. Um, I like the offensive line a lot. I like the starters a lot. <laughs> let, let me make that clear. I like the starters a lot. Do not like the depth at all. The thing about injuries on the offensive line is I feel like Virginia tech will have an easier, it'll be easier for Joe Rudolph to hide young guys on the interior offensive line that will be out of tackle. And Virginia Tech's depth is at its worst out of tackle. That's a huge concern. One or two injuries to either one of your tackles, and we're going to be seeing some young guys put in some precarious situations, which you talk about Grant Wells and his ability to throw the ball and the fact that he was hurried, you know, you mentioned those stats earlier of Billy, like how many times he was hurried in some particular games and how many picks he had to throw and how many times he had to put the ball in the air. Like that's kind of taken out of your hands now, right? If you're starting some freshmen at offensive tackle. So the depth there is the biggest concern on the roster, right? The depth at offensive line. We'll talk about defensive line here in a few minutes. I'm concerned about depth there too. But the offensive line depth is a major, major problem, especially at offensive tackle. So any injuries there could be extremely concerning in a hurry. So that wraps it up for our offense. We're going to shift it over to the defense, and um, we're actually going to pass it over to the Mike McDaniel School of Hard Knocks. Um, for those of you who uh, are unaware of, uh, we're going to get a little, we're going to get a little geeky here. We're going to talk about the specific scheme that you're going to see from Coach Pry when you go out and you're in the stands. You got your Bud Light or you got your Michelob Ultra and you say, whoa, 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 this doesn't this doesn't look the same as it's looked for 25 years. But this is a little bit different. So Coach Pry is a little bit of a different scheme on defense. Talk to us about it. So under Bud Foster and really under Justin Hamilton the last few years, Virginia Tech has run a 4-2-5 defense, right, which means they have four defensive linemen, two linebackers, five DBs on the field pretty much at all times. The only time we didn't see that, um, especially under Bud Foster's defense, was against Georgia Tech when Virginia Tech was running more like a 4-4, right? Against the option. Made sense. Um, 
Brent Pride's scheme is a little bit different. Virginia Tech will be running more of a traditional 4-3 defense. Um, the, the biggest difference is terminology, number one, right? Virginia Tech is going to now have on defense both a Will linebacker and a Sam linebacker. Virginia Tech did not have that under Justin Hamilton. So you're adding a linebacker position into the fold alignment-wise on defense. Now, the one thing I will mention here is that the guy who's going to be playing in the Sam linebacker role is most likely going to be Keontae Jenkins, which, as you all know, Keontae Jenkins is a converted safety. He's put on a little bit of weight, but we know that he can defend receivers in space. That's really important when most of the offenses you're facing in college football now are running the spread with four and five wide a lot, right? So it's going to be a little bit different from an alignment standpoint, more of like a four, three, you have a field safety and a boundary safety. The terminology is a little bit different um, in the back end of the defense as well. But really when you see Keontae Jenkins lining up against a slot receiver, are you really going to think that this is too much different from what we've been watching over the past five or six years? Probably not, right? You have a converted safety playing one of the linebacker positions. Think like Mook Reynolds, right? Um, as like the fifth DB um, back, you know, in the early Fuente years. Like that's kind of what we're seeing here with Keontae Jenkins, a guy who can come into the box and defend, uh, defend the run, but is also going to be able to go out against a slot receiver in pass coverage. You're not going to be too, too concerned about him. So that's the biggest difference. You're adding a linebacker into the fold. You're kind of bringing him down into the box a little bit more often than we've seen in, in recent years. And it's going to be a really aggressive defense, similar to what we saw under Bud Foster's scheme. I mean, you guys know this already. A lot of the listeners know this. If you don't by now, you should know this. Brent Pry was a graduate assistant under Bud Foster. That's how he got his start into coaching. The first defensive scheme that he learned was Bud Foster's. They're aggressive. They're going to blitz. They're going to make it hard on quarterbacks. They're going to try to force the quarterback into making mistakes, try to cause confusion, wreak havoc. It's going to be a heavily blitzing scheme. And adding a third linebacker who has his prowess beginning as a defensive back is going to add speed um, to, to the front of the defense, which I think is really, really important. All right, Mike. So we'll start it off with the defensive line. The defensive line is the thinnest part of this Virginia Tech defense. They're, uh, you know, they lose guys like Amari Barno on the outside, um, who actually was player of the week. Uh, last week for the Carolina Panthers on the defense, forcing a fumble. I don't know if you guys saw that. Uh, Jordan Williams was a contributor on the inside, uh, who we no longer have on our roster this year. Um, but J.C. Price comes back. He gives up his head coaching duties, and he uh, regains the sole position of defensive line coach at Tech. Um, just a couple highlights from the line. You returned Taiwan Garbutt from last year. Um, you know, who's been, he's, he's contributed every single time he's been out there for Virginia tech. Uh, and he's definitely had his roller coaster uh, of a career while at Virginia tech. You got a youngster like Cole Nelson returning to the fold on the edge. Um, Jalen Griffin is back again, uh, as is Eli Adams. You know, those are some names that, uh, Virginia tech fans are familiar with seeing out there in the fold on the outside. Um, and then there will be some, some newcomers as well. You know, CJ McCray has moved from linebacker, um, you know, to the end, um, Lakeem Rudolph, who was recruited as a safety has made his way all the way up to, uh, to defensive line, uh, Wilfried Payne, 
the Frenchman could contribute uh, on the edge this year as well. Um, and then I know we lost Phil Darius Payne uh, to injury. I think he had an Achilles injury earlier in camp. Um, so he's going to take a medical red shirt. Those are kind of some of the highlights from the defensive end camp. Josh Fuga on the inside this year, he won most improved in spring practice. He is on the watch list for Polynesian player of the year, Woo! which I'm fired up about. I don't I know if anyone's watching. I want to see I don't know if anyone's trophy. watching the, uh, the Manti Teo uh, untold <laughs> documentary. Already watch it. Um, but learning about Polynesian culture there. Um, oh, no. oh my gosh. Don't, you can't throw the Polynesian culture all on the Manti Teo thing. I mean, Manti Teo is Polynesian, but it's not Polynesian. Get <laughs> catfished and hoodwinked. I mean, come on, let's put some let's put some respect on our Polynesian friends here. I could pick it up for you after after that. We got Mario Kendricks returning to the defensive tackle position. He had six tackles last year. He didn't play post Syracuse because he got banged up. And then all of us know Darrell Pollard. Um, look, I think the defensive line group has some pretty good depth here. Again. All I want from this unit is we we really kind of got oversold on the on the pressuring the quarterback last year in the North Carolina game. After North Carolina, I said, "Yo, good luck blocking this unit." And then every other team said, "Hey, we're going to block them." And they did. So, we weren't able to produce a whole lot uh in terms of quarterback pressures and getting the quarterback on the ground. And I know that coach Pry and this defensive staff is going to make that a priority. So, I'm looking forward to find out how that uh how that goes and um, we'll see what happens. Mike. We got some newcomers too. Kyrie we do have some newcomers. I mean, with a name like Kyrie Moiston, you know, um, I'm fired up about that guy. Malachi Madison, Governor Gunner Givens, obviously. Like, can Gunner Givens contribute in year one? Uh, Lamar Law out of the uh, 757 was, um, I mean, the dude's just a big body. You know, can he contribute this year? So, Mike, what are your overall uh, impressions, and what would you like to get out of this uh, defensive line uh, in 2022? I'm I'm more concerned about the defensive ends and defensive tackles, right? Um, Jalen Griffin, we we know what we're going to get. We know what we're going to get out of Gar, but um, the concerns kind of lie beneath that, right? Is Cole Nelson going to be able to contribute on a consistent basis? Matthias Carroll, is he going to contribute on a consistent basis? Eli Adams, right? I mean, you got a lot of guys. Lamar Law, you just mentioned as a freshman, he looks huge in camp, right? Like he's going to be a player, if not at Virginia Tech, he's going to be a player somewhere for a long time. He's six six, long arms, huge frame. Um, he looks really, really good out of camp, and I don't know if he's going to contribute this year, but I think he's going to contribute down the line. So I like the defensive ends a lot, um, but I, I do worry about the depth there and, and whether or not you know, any of those young guys I mentioned are playable right now. Like that, that's the real question. Defensive tackle. I mean, Kendricks, Pollard, Fuga, you feel pretty good about that group. Right. Um, so the concern to me is defensive end, but I do like those young guys a lot. So I do feel like if there are some injuries or some guys that could step up there for sure. Moving one unit back to the linebackers, Brent Pry coaches the linebackers. This is a special group of guys who have a special opportunity to learn under head coach Brent Pry. Uh, Bud Foster used to coach the linebackers. Brent Pry will be saddling up with our guys. We're going to start with Dax Hollifield. 
Dax Hollifield returns for his fifth season, his final season as a Virginia Tech Hokie, uh, was the leading tackler in 2021, had 92 tackles, four and a half sacks, and a pick, which was really good last year because what we were saying heading into 2021 was, hey, you know who our leading tackler was in 2020? Shamari Connor. And you should never have your leading tackler to come from the third line of defense. Um, Dax stepped up last year and was able to uh, contribute in that way. Um, Andrea Adelson has labeled him the 23rd best player in the conference heading into 2022. Uh, the biggest thing for Dax is, you know, he's always been a big body. Um, what, what, uh, level of contribution can he make in coverage this year? Uh, because, you know, he has been a liability in coverage in the past. You know, what has he improved in his game over the course of the spring and over the course of fall camp under Coach Pry uh, in coverage? Got a guy, Keonta Jenkins, who is looking very, very big uh, at the Sam linebacker role. Again, new role introduced into this defense. Um, he actually changed his number from 33 to 7. We'll we'll give you guys a quick overview of uh of any no uh, notable number change. Most of them came in the uh, defensive back room. Um, Alan Tisdale returns. Uh, I feel like Tisdale, you know, he battled um, weight loss with COVID and then came back from that. And, you know, he's a guy that has always been able to contribute, but um, you know, have we gotten the perfect or best apex form of Alan Tisdale yet? You know, how will Tisdale's game improve year over year? Um, you know, we'll see how he uh, he looks this year. He had 84 tackles last year and two and a half sacks. So um, expecting big things from Alan Tisdale. Kelly Lawson, um, you know, if you guys saw the, um, what is it, middle drill, Billy, um, that uh, you had the linebackers and uh, running backs. No, that's just a little, uh, a little like a pass coverage drill. Um, trying to get them to, to handle a running back that'll come up and, and pop them or run her out. Um, that's what, that's, that's what that was. Kelly Lawson looked absolutely massive in that and he's long and he will contribute to Virginia Tech's defense at some point, whether it's this year, whether it's down the line, who gives a damn about the drill. He's big. That's all that matters. Just a big dude. Looked great in the drill. Um, Jaden Keller is, is one of the, um, the budding, young stars on this team, on this defense that I know that a lot of people are expecting big things from as well in the will linebacker spot too. Um, Mike, any gaps you want to fill on the uh, linebacking core? No, you guys about covered it. I mean, I, I think the uh, biggest position to watch um, is that Sam linebacker role, right? Keontae Jenkins and maybe J.R. Walker someone like that, you know, who kind of steps in if it's not Jenkins, like who's going to be the guy there, you know, to play that kind of Mook Reynolds type role. That, that's going to be what I'm going to be keeping an eye on. And we do have another year of Keyshawn Artis as well. Um, you know, good to see him return to the fold here and we'd love to see how he has uh, improved year over year under Coach Pry coaching uh, the linebacker uh, core too. All right, so let's go all the way to the back. Defensive backs, Fact or fiction, this is the deepest and strongest unit on the Virginia Tech football team. Fact. Absolute fact. Absolute fact. We got a ton of guys coming back. 
returning contributors. Can any of them play O-line? That'd be great if they could. I'd, <laughs> I'd rather not have uh, any of our guys in the, in the DB room line up on the line. So um, we got uh, Chamari Connor returning, 85 tackles, two sacks, an interception, was a defensive MVP in spring. You know, expecting big things from Shamari Connor. You know, he's he's definitely him and Dax are the leaders of this defense. Um, Nasir Peoples, who looked huge in his uh, in his presser last week, uh, guy just looked pretty big at, at the uh, at the lectern. Um, he had 88 tackles last year. He had a pick. Um, he has changed his number from 31 to five. So write that down in your uh, your Rolodex. Breon Murray. People have been talking about Breon Murray and uh, the efforts that he's made to work on his game uh, over the course of this uh, year. Um, he won the Strength and Conditioning Award in spring. Um, so interested to see how uh, Breon Murray makes an impact as well. He'll be wearing number eight, switching from number 37 to number eight. Armani Chapman is back uh, as well. Uh, at the cornerback position this fall, he will be wearing number nine. Again, Chapman's another guy who's a solid defensive back and um, looking to see how he has improved uh, with Coach Cheetah uh, over this offseason. You got a guy like Dorian Strong, who I believe moved to single digits. Billy might have erased his uh, his number here. What number is Dorian Strong? Quick Google search. Dorian Strong will be wearing number. Oh, he's still in forty-four. What are we doing? No, dude, no racing. Yeah, no racing. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Dorian Strong, um, you know, just a guy that is an incredible talent. Uh, has sound technique in the defensive backfield at cornerback uh, this fall as well. So, you know, you, you got a lot of solid guys backing up um, Jenkins in that Sam position. Um, you know, Jalen Stroman's another name. DJ Harvey's a guy who got some burn last year. Um, so pretty excited about this defensive backs unit. Mike McDaniel, talk to me about uh, about the ceiling for this Virginia Tech defensive back unit. Highest it's been in a while. Highest it's been in a while. I mean, I, there's a combination here of top end talent from a starter standpoint, right? Sure, you don't have like a sure, like a surefire first round pick like Caleb Farley or something like that. But what you do have is you have multiple guys who can not only play the positions they're in, but can play kind of all over the secondary. So there's a versatility factor there um, with these guys that. Virginia Tech hasn't had in a while. So it's proven depth, guys who have played a lot of snaps. You also have the versatility factor um, that I think is really important um, because it's a new scheme. I think versatility is all the more important when you're learning a new scheme. Things are different than they were last year. Guys are going to have to line up different positions, different spots on defense. It's new to everybody, but if you're versatile enough to kind of line up anywhere, it really helps. And I think Virginia Tech's got a lot of guys who can do just that in the secondary. So that's the biggest thing for me. It's not only the top end talent um, from, from a starter standpoint, guys who have played a lot of snaps, but it's the depth, it's the versatility. Um, and I think the ability of Virginia Tech's defense um, to get after the quarterback up front will make this defensive back unit maybe look even better than they actually are. So if, if Tech can rush the quarterback, I think the secondary should have a very, very good season. I would also add that uh, the secondary, all the positions really benefited from this, but I think the secondary really benefited from 
as much as we hated watching the Maryland game, as much as we, you know, it was a pain to watch, a lot of young guys got experience in that uh, in that football game, including DJ Harvey, including Jalen Stroman. Um, a lot of young guys had an opportunity to play, whether it was because people decided to leave early, people got banged up, or the coaches just frankly wanted to see young guys play. So don't let that get lost in in that Maryland game. Is a lot of those young guys were able to get experience where if they are stepping in, it's not going to be the first time playing in a collegiate football game. Let's get special. Sons of special teams. Now, um, MVP is out of spring camp, spring ball, uh, Jalen Stroman and Kelly Lawson. It didn't necessarily say what, uh, why, you know, what they did. Um, Billy Ray, I'm sure you could speak to that as far as. Uh, oh, I'm sure I can't. I have, I, don't <laughs> I, have, I have no idea. No, no <laughs> clue what would have done that. Um, but uh, I mean, exciting nonetheless. Maybe Stroman's returning kicks. If Stroman is, if if Stroman Junior is half the receive, uh, half the returner that Stroman Senior was, um, I think we're in for a fun career. But um, really like, exciting. Stroman Senior and Stroman, <laughs> like it's his dad. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Jalen Stroman's returning uh, returning punts at two hundred pounds, but you never know. Never know. You never, never know. know. I do know that I don't know uh, what the special teams MVP entails. Then. Yeah, and I don't know who's who's who our guys are for kick returns and punt returns. I don't know who we're going to see. I'd love to see Daywan Lofton. Um, I say something about that. I, I had it at the end, and we'll we'll just move it to right now. Um, I want to set expectations for Colbeck. I am very excited. Colbeck is on this football team. Colbeck is extremely fast. Colbeck has been running track for multiple years now. Running track is not the same as running to a finish line where there aren't people trying to take your head off is not the same as running to the goal line where people are literally trying to kill you. That is not an indictment on Colbeck. It is not an indictment on track runners. All I'm saying is it is a massive, massive jump to go from that sport to football, especially at the collegiate level. Speed matters. In high school, you can get away with being extremely fast and just be extremely productive. Um, I am excited about Cole Beck, but I do want to just, if he doesn't come out and score three touchdowns in the first three games returning kicks, nobody needs to be upset. It is a huge transition that young man is going through. Um, so I, I just I just wanted to put that disclaimer out there. The hype um, train is out of control. Like yeah. he was a very... Very, very, very good high school football player in Blacksburg. Mm-hmm. We're all aware of that. Very, very good. Extremely fast, like world-class speed fast from a track standpoint. Like he can fly. What Billy just said is 1,000% on the money. Like there is a difference between having straight line speed and having football speed at the collegiate level where you haven't played a snap in multiple years. I mean, he redshirted for a year, um, what, got four years ago now he redshirted? Yeah, I think he had I think he had a collarbone injury or some sort of or some sort of injury back in the day. And again, this is not an indictment on Cole Beck. It's no, just no, no. I mean, he could absolutely contribute. Right. It's putting into perspective the the challenge that he that he is going to face physically. Um uh, that that's all we're saying. Absolutely. And I'm excited for him and I do think he can contribute and I think he will and I think they'll find ways to get that speed on the field and he, we know he can play football at the high school level. 
can he play it at the collegiate level when he hasn't been training in a football sense in multiple years? That that's that's all we're saying about Colbeck. We know he was recruited to play football at Virginia Tech. We know he's a football player. We know he's a good player. Um, but when you haven't been training from a football standpoint for multiple years, like you lose something from like a third or fourth year player who's like a junior, senior graduate student who has been in the program, been in the weight room, et cetera. That doesn't mean he can't contribute or that he won't contribute. I think he will find a spot somewhere. And I think it likely will be in the return game because if there's one place on the roster where, or what, or one position or, you know, one play that you can make where your straight line speed matters, it's in the kick return game or it's at wide receiver. If you're just running go routes, he can probably do both of those things. They'll find a way to have Cole Beck contribute, but I do think fancy to put it in perspective because the hype has been out of control because we know how fast he is. Speedy Gonzalez, Cole Beck is a graduate student. So I turn my tassel and I tip my cap. He's got a degree. Um, good for Cole. Love that. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. There's definitely Pat, you're on one today, man. You're being fun. You're being you're being goofy. Pat, you're, <laughs> you're funny today. I, I'm just I'm just letting you know. I'm just this. You, you've been you've been on your you've been on your P's and Q's today. You've had you had some nice. Uh, we're getting peak Pat today. There we go. Well, <laughs> there's uncertainty with who will be returning punts and kicks. There's no uncertainty of who will be punting Peter Moore. Give me more of those punts. Just kidding. I actually don't like seeing Peter Moore on the field. Okay. We are, we are, we are not, we are not running that one back. Um, Peter Moore is a returning all ACC punter third team last year as a freshman. I mean, Peter Moore got a big leg. 44 and a half yards per punt in 2021 with a long of 68. Uh, he was first in the ACC with 25 punts of over 50 yards. And he also had 23 punts inside the 20 yard line, which was the third most in the conference. Again, you don't want to really lead the ACC in anything punting, but Peter Moore, you know, if you got, if you have to punt, you might as well be good at it. Am I right? So uh, right. we got Peter Moore out there uh, punting this year. Excited to see him as the fourth down QB. Place kickers. Now, you guys, if you're listening on Spotify, you can't see this, but I'm doing the the John Parker Romo uh, lunge thing. We're going to miss that guy. And I think he's – is he on the Saints? Where is JPR? I have no idea. I do know that he's – he is in my heart forever. I know that that's where he is. John Parker Romo, an absolute legend, New Orleans Saints, number 15. Um, We're going to miss that guy, but we do have a couple guys backing him up this year. Uh, Kyle Lowe, Zach Hoban, our two. Where's he from? Where's he from, Pat? Where's Zach Hoban from? I mean, come on. Chatham, New Jersey. Talk about it. Talk about it. (laughs) He knows. The pride of Minnesink. Um, honestly, guys, I haven't I haven't seen that much on kickers this this uh, this fall camp, but I'm sure we'll know who uh, our starting kicker is in Norfolk in 15 days. Did you guys, right, guys. Have that much analysis about on special teams? I bet you didn't, but you just that got was it. that was good. That was good. That was a team effort. Um, so that wraps it up for offense, defense, and special teams. Um, and our next segment is a sad segment because we're sunsetting the coastal pour one out 
We are we are we are sunsetting the coastal. Coastal chaos is coming to an end. But you know what never sunsets, and that is Roback. And you know what looks great on me at sunset time is a Roback polo. So head on over to our friends over at Roback. That is R H O B A C K dot com and get twenty percent off your first order using code SUNSVT. If you're looking for polos, if you're looking for quarter zips, if you're looking for hats, athleisure. Pat is over here. We He's got the visuals up. now. We got some visuals. Look at that. It's a sweatshirt, the most comfortable sweatshirt you will ever wear. Um, it's a hoodie. A uh, hoodie, technically. Hoodie, 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 hoodie. <laughs> uh, but you can sweat in it. You will sweat in that shirt. But it is moisture wicking, so it will wick up the sweat. Oh, man. Woo um, so, yeah, we're sunsetting the uh, the coastal. Pat, talk to us about the coastal chaos that we have been uh, that we've been seeing over the last seven years. Hey Bill, very important. You got to say twenty percent off with, with, uh, with the code Suns. Dude, YouTube. I literally said that. You were running to your closet while I said it. I well, said. Guess that. what? We just got it twice in there. So you know, now it's now it's really top. We'll of be mind. sending you another invoice, Robeck. <laughs> All right. So, the coastal man. The coastal is crazy. You know what else is crazy? The coastal. Um, and 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 <laughs> reading off the same promo code twice in thirty seconds. The Coastal Division had seven teams win in seven straight years. And this is the last year of that craziness. This is the last time that we will see someone from the Coastal Division playing in Charlotte the first Saturday of December. We might get another crazy season, you know. Miami Miami looks good. Like, they have a good coach, they have talent, and they have a great quarterback. Usually when you have those three things, you're probably going to have a pretty good year. Um, but, but it's Miami and these are kids who, you know, everyone is just telling them how good they are year in and year out. What will Miami do to mess it up? You know, Miami's only won the coastal division one time. You got a guy, you got a school like Pittsburgh who had a historic season last year, but they still have to break in a new quarterback. Um, you know, they're not getting father time back in, uh, back under center. Kenny Pickett, he's gone. Not to mention Jordan Addison got bought by USC, so they don't have him either. So, you know, you get Keaton Slovis, which is, you know, that's a name. But um, fortunate name. Pitt's going to play good defense and they have a good quarterback, but, like, how good will they be? You don't know. You don't know how consistent they can be year over year. Duke is going to be bad. Georgia Tech might even be worse than Duke. Um, <laughs> you know, Georgia Tech's schedule, like, they might win three games. And Georgia they lost Tech their- and Duke combined might win five. <laughs> if Georgia- you want a fun exercise, go. I'm not kidding. Go look at Georgia Tech's schedule. It, outside of being in the SEC, it might be one of the most difficult schedules that I've that that I have ever seen. Um, you have to play Georgia. You have to play Clemson. They're playing Ole Miss at a neutral site, and they probably are going to suck. It's like it's a UCF be, too. It, it's just gonna. It, it's gonna be a really really tough. Um, it's going to be one rambling wreck of a season for uh, for Georgia Tech. Yeah, we'll, we'll call it the uh, Duke and Georgia Tech Combine for Bowl Eligibility Challenge. Um, you got UVA. Has some serious talent catching the football. Has some serious talent throwing the football. Everything else, really don't know. And they're going to do UVA things and probably have a ceiling of seven wins. And then you got Carolina. A proven, consistent, underachiever. Mike McDaniel. Coastal thoughts. I know you got to put the kid to bed, so we got to let you 
um, jump in with some coastal thoughts. I'm going to give you coastal thoughts. I'm going to give you a record prediction, right? I'm going to squeeze that in too because I have to before I leave, right? Have to squeeze it in. Okay. Two things. Coastal thoughts. Number one, Miami is going to have a very good team eventually. I'm not sure it's this year, okay? They have a really good quarterback returning, Tyler Van Dyke. Um, they do have offensive, defensive skill talent, obviously a really good coaching staff. It's going to take a little while to change the culture. you got a Miami guy in there in Cristobal, a guy who's done at Oregon. You know what he knows what it takes to win at Miami. He's a Miami guy, right? They'll be good eventually. My pick to win the Coastal is Pittsburgh. I know it sounds insane because they lose Kenny Pickett. They lose Jordan Addison. They have talent everywhere. The defense is going to be unbelievable at Pittsburgh this year. They have a front seven where you could literally take the starters off the field and run the entire second group back on, and they'd probably still have a top three or four front seven in the entire conference. Their defense is going to be really, really good. They have a lot of depth, especially in the front seven, to get after the passer. Um, if Keaton Slovis is anywhere is like 60% of what Pickett was last year. They'll be fine. They got more than enough skill talent on the offensive side of the ball. I really like Pittsburgh's team a lot. I think they're being overlooked because of who they lost in Pickett and Addison. They have a really good team returning. Not to mention, and and it's funny that we say this because we give, we give him a lot of crap. Pat Narduzzi, if he's not your guy, you don't like him. Pat Narduzzi right. is consistent and he's one. And with a year of turnover in the coastal with coaches, um, he's a good he's coach. One the, he's one of the he's one of the common denominators, and he is a good coach. Um, he's a good coach. Exactly. He's a good coach. He um and, and he's he got a lot of crap early in his tenure because it felt like Pitt really couldn't get past like that seven win ceiling. It felt like he was kind of like Steve Adazioing the thing <laughs> at Pitt. He kind of eclipsed that right, and now they're kind of consistently getting past that seven win mark, and now they're like more of like an eight win program instead of the seven win program that matters because at Pittsburgh, when you're not necessarily recruiting the way that you want to, and you're still putting good product on the field, that really, really matters. They could absolutely win the coastal. If not, my pick is probably Miami. I think they could finish one, two in either order. Um, I, I do think Virginia tech finishes third in the coastal. Um, I, I look at the rest of the coastal and there are a lot of questions, right? Carolina's got a lot of talent, but they've always done less with more under Mac Brown, right? They, they recruit, they recruit, they recruit the talent on the field is unquestioned, but the coaching just has not gotten the most out of that talent there. So I had a really hard time picking Carolina to all of a sudden just be the third best team when they lose Sam Howell at quarterback and they lose a lot of offensive skill talent, right? Like they got some guys returning, but they lost a lot too just like they lost a lot last year and everybody was hyping them up as like a top 10 team in the country in the preseason didn't make any damn sense. Um, so I, I think Virginia tech finishes third in the coastal. Um, but I think the coastal is going to be pretty bad. Right. So I think, I think Miami and Pitt are going to be very good. I think they can go one, two, but after that, I think you're going to have a lot of like seven and fives in there. Right. I think Carolina is a seven and five team. I think Virginia tech is a seven and five team. That's my official record prediction on Virginia tech. I think they go seven and five. I think they go probably four and four in the division. That's probably going to be good for third after tiebreakers. That's kind of where I'm at with them. UVA is like a six and six team. And I don't think Duke, um, I don't think Duke or Georgia Tech are going to sniff a bowl game, come anywhere close to it. They, they might not sniff a bowl game with combined wins. I already mentioned that. So the coastal will be crazy. Um, let me give my thoughts real quick on just the Virginia Tech schedule real quick and kind of where I see the problems, kind of where they lie, right? Virginia Tech needs to get out of September with at least a three and one record if they want to yes. win seven games. Yes. That's my personal opinion. Um, that means beating Boston College, right? Because I think Virginia Tech should beat Old Dominion. 
They should beat Wofford. Nothing's a given. We've seen with this team over the last few years, nothing's a given. That's why I can't call the schedule soft. I went on a rant about that on Twitter. It really pissed a lot of people off. Which you were completely right about, by the way. You can't you can't call the schedule soft when literally like when you're on other teams' schedules, they're calling their schedule soft, right? Like tech hasn't been good enough to now be in a position where they can look at a schedule called soft, right? That's my opinion on it. Um and I just think that there are a lot of teams in there that are in like Virginia Tech. They're kind of like toss up 50-50 games. Tech's got to be BC on September 10th if they want to win seven games. Um, if not, then you absolutely have to beat West Virginia at home, which I think you can do. It's a tougher ask, though. I think West Virginia is going to be a little bit tougher in Boston College. Um, it's a rivalry game. It's a tough environment. I, I get that. You're coming into Blacksburg. It's going to be different than a year ago. But we saw the West Virginia skill talent last year. Gave Virginia Tech a lot of issues there in Morgantown. Middle of the schedule, like October, we already know it's going to be kind of like murderer's row. You got Carolina, Pittsburgh, Miami, NC State. NC State's the best team on the schedule. It's not even close. NC State could win the Atlantic. They're that good. Um, That game's on the road. That's going to be really difficult. But then you have four winnable games at the end. So the only way for Virginia Tech, in my opinion, to get to seven is if you get out of September three and one, because I'm not sure they're going to do much better than one and three in that four game stretch in October. That's just my, my opinion on it. Seven and five team. I think that'd be a great first year for Brent Pry. make a bowl game, try to win a bowl game, get to an eighth win. That would be fantastic. Uh, I know double M has to go on DD. That's Mike McDaniel going on daddy duty. Um, so we appreciate you, Mike McDaniel. We're going to get thanks, into the rest boys. of our pod, but thank you so much for joining us. Yeah. Thanks guys. Appreciate it, man. Thanks Mike. Later. So we're going to jump into the back half here. Uh, we're, we're on the, we're, we're coming to the end. Mike McDaniel just rattled it off. Um, so we can skip the schedule here. Uh, but again, just to run through it, it's old dominion on Friday night, nine, two BC, nine, 10 Wofford, nine, 17 at 11 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we also have West Virginia on Thursday, UNC on 10, one pit, 10, eight Miami, 10, 15 bye week. Can't lose on a bye week. NC State play them on Thursday on 1027, Georgia Tech 115 at Duke 1112 at Liberty God 1119. And then UVA 1126. Couple notes, Liberty going to be playing against Michael Brewer's younger brother. Kind of a fun fact, you freeze as well. Um so there there's a note there. Any quick notes on the on the on the schedule Pat? Thursday night football is back in Blacksburg for the first time since 2016. We'll do some hokey history for that. Um, we absolutely will. That's awesome. We took Miami uh, to the shed or behind the shed. Yep. Uh, on that October 20th, 2016, Grayson's birthday. Mm-hmm. It was a big night. Fireworks were, fireworks were flying. Gerard had a night. Sam Rogers caught a touchdown pass from Woody Barron, Ricky Walker. Everybody was – yeah, it seemed like everybody got in on the, on the sacks that night. So – um, excited about that to take us home preseason awards, preseason awards, defensive MVP. I'm going to go with Taiwan Garbutt. I think Taiwan Garbutt is a guy who has been through a ton. Uh, like you said, he's always found a way to be productive in games that he, uh, that he does play in, uh, and a, a, a new year, new staff, kind of a fresh beginning for him. Uh, I'm really, really excited about that young man and looking for him to end his career on a, on a high note. You know, I am. Uh, I'm looking at Dax Hollifield as defensive MVP. You know, you got a guy in his fifth year at Virginia Tech. He's been through it all. He's been a team first guy. He's never wanted to be anywhere else. Um, you know, he's definitely taken his lumps and 
Uh, he's also had some serious shining moments and, and great opportunities. And I think having a, uh, an off season with coach Pry in that linebacker unit, you know, what better, uh, what better unit to have an MVP out of than, than the linebacker unit on the defensive side of the ball. Moving over to offense, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going with the tight end group. I'm, I'm combining Gallo, Brumrick, and DeUlis, so we'll call it DeGallo-Rick. DeGallo-Rick is my MVP for the offense. Look, this Virginia Tech offense, is going if it's going to be successful, it is going to need to see some tight ends making plays. Um, I have a lot of trust in those three guys. Uh, I think they're great teammates. I think they're great locker room guys, and I think they all bring their own unique skill set. Um, so I'm going to go with the tight end room. If Virginia Tech wants to have success on offense, uh, I agree that the tight ends are going to need to show out, but uh, the guy throwing them the ball needs to be the best player on the field. Grant Wells, offensive MVP. You know, I feel like it's been so long since we had a just consistency out of the quarterback room, and I am looking for Grant Wells to be that guy um, and lead us to to success. I mean, thirty five hundred yards. It's not bad. Sign me up. Sign yeah. me up for that. So, I, look, I clearly don't know anything about special teams MVP, so I'm, I'm going to leave the special teams MVP to you. Go ahead, buddy. It's Peter Moore. Give me more of that, even though I want less of that, because I don't want to <laughs> see Peter Moore punting. But uh, I think yeah. it's hard to make a prediction on who's going to be returning kicks and punts. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there's a clear-cut guy, uh, you know, place-kicking. So, Peter Moore. Bill, who do you like for outstanding freshman slash newcomer? Chance Black. Technically, did he redshirt last year? He did. Okay. Did, I believe he did, unless he played at the end of the season. I'm not 100% sure if he didn't get some burn in the Syracuse game or the uh, or the uh, bowl game, but I'm not positive. Mm-hmm. I think he did, though. Yeah, kind of hard to tell <clears throat> on special teams who's in there. Um, I like that pick, though. I like, on offense, Daquan Wright. On defense, Jaden Keller for uh, outstanding newcomers. Word of, Word of the season. season, dude. Word of the season. Look, I talked about it earlier. I want one thing for my Virginia Tech football team this year. And I want that I want to be proud of the product on the field. Coach Pry came on this podcast and talked about it. Um, we know what it's supposed to look like. Um, and I want to get back to playing tough, tough, tough football. And I want people to not like to come to Lane Stadium. I want them to leave bruised. I want them to leave battered. And um, at the end of the day, I'm willing to accept that, you know, that it's not as much about the wins and the losses this year. It's about developing and, and establishing a culture. I do think that we can win football games this year. I do think that we can, that we can, that we can have a good season, but my word of the year is compete, get out there, get after people's tails and just, Compete your tail off, man. And at the end of the day, if you compete and you play hard and you do what you got to do and you look up at the scoreboard, um, you can feel happy about the result uh, regardless, knowing that you gave your best. I know that was a little bit of a like mighty might tyke uh, speech, but that that's how I feel about it. I just want to see this team compete and I want to see this team get after it. Coach Pry at ACC Media Day got a text, got a call from a commitment for the class of 2023, and uh, he was – looking at his phone and he looks out in the audience and he says, sorry guys, you know, we just got better. My word of the season is better. We are going to leave lane stadium on Saturdays feeling better 
about where we are. You know, there's nothing worse than as a fan packing up, packing up the cooler, heading on up to Blacksburg, getting my game day gear on, tailgating, going into the game, cheering real loud for, you know, an hour or two, and then leaving with my head hanging. Not fun. I want to leave Lane Stadium feeling better about myself as a Virginia Tech fan. I want to feel better about this program. I want this program to be in a better position each and every week as we uh, progress through the season. Um, I think that the general energy and the general vibe around Blacksburg has been better. And I think it's going to continue to get better. I feel like Buzz Williams. Uh, But that is my word of the season. I think we're going to feel better week in and week out, uh, knowing that we got to pay attention to the little things here. Um, Things that will be happening in the background, things that, that, you know, I think we got to just identify the, um, the small wins this season. It is an easy schedule, you know, and uh, I think there's a path to, to winning some football games and I'm looking forward to feeling better. Record this year. Um, look, if you asked me three months ago, I'd say, look, I'm hoping for bill eligibility, but you guys know me. You've been listening to me for some of you for three years in this podcast. And um, you know what? My positivity didn't walk out the door because we got a new football coach. I still feel the same way about this program and how much I love it and how much I care and how loud I'm going to be in Section 5. I still am going to walk into that stadium and I'm going to be like, we got a damn good football team and I'm excited to see what's going to happen. So you know what? I'm going 8-5. and five. I'm going 8-5. and five. I, I – I, if I'm proven wrong, I'm proven wrong. I like to be positive. Um, I, I think this team has more top line talent than we're probably giving it credit for right now. We don't have depth. That's a huge issue. We didn't have depth last year, and we were a couple of snaps away from winning eight games. We were also a couple of snaps away from winning three or four games. But um, if we're able to clean it up and we're able to – improve our situational play play calling on offense if we're able to get guys bought in if people feel like you know what I'm just going to go out there and I'm going to compete and I'm going to play hard um I feel really good about this team um so my prediction is eight and five but again at the end of the day I just want to see a team go out there make me proud play hard um so I'm, I'm going eight and five is that eight and five um with a bowl win or a bowl loss so here's my thing Pat I love you to death there's no way that I can predict who's going to play in a bowl game, who we're playing in the bowl game, where the bowl game is going to be. I, I'm like, I'm like out on predicting bowl games. I, I think, I think college football has very much moved to the point where it's like, hey, we play a regular season, and if it's a really cool bowl game, guys will probably play. If it's, you know, a bowl game in a football stadium, people may not have an appetite to play that. So I, I can't, I can't really throw my hat in a. It, it's it, to me, it's 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 extremely difficult, near impossible to try to to try to come up with an idea there. But I'm sure you have one. Well, I'm, well, I'm asking why. You know, if we're eight and five, that means we're making a bowl game. It does. Um, but you got to tell me where is that thirteenth game coming from? You know, are we going eight and four in the regular season? What is our regular season record? 
Oh, am I? Is eight? I guess eight and five is including a bowl game. Yeah, dude. See, thank you. This is why I have you here. I'm over here crapping on on uh, on on trying to not predict the bowl game. So I'll, I'll go. I'll go eight and four then. Okay. Uh, this team is seven as <laughs> a seven and five team in my book. Billy Math over there. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> Stuff, man. And uh, I mean, I, I think I think we could go seven and five. And again, you can't predict the bowl game. I'd love to see us win a bowl game for the first time in six years. You know, it hasn't happened since the Belk Bowl in 2016, where we spotted the team, uh, the op- the opposition, 24 points and still won. Uh, I got seven and five bowl win and wins over UVA and West Virginia. So, Can I um, ask you a question real quick? Yeah. Look at the schedule, and I want you to – if you had a get-out-of-jail-free card or a you-win-this-game card, what are the three games that you want the most in the order um, – in, in order, if you had to pick three? What's on Pat's wish list? I think the West Virginia game is definitely number one here. Um you know, you need to harness all the energy on a September Thursday night that you can. Uh, it's a rivalry game. There's a trophy at stake. There is a, I mean, you got Coach Pry at the helm. You got JC Price on staff. You got Pearson Prelo on staff. You got Guvea Winslow and, you know, a handful of other guys. I guess Guvea Winslow never played against West Virginia, but, you know, he knows about the culture and the rivalry. Um, you got to win that game. You got to take that game back, you know. Um, especially after being on the doorstep of victory and and uh, getting shut out, uh, West Virginia's number one. Number two, I would say. I mean, I I am all over just continuing to be Carolina in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. Yes. Um, you know, I think if you have an opportunity to go to North Carolina and beat them at their stadium and beat them for the seventh out of what is it seven out of eight years or six out of seven years. It's a lot. You take it, you know, they've been eating our lunch on the trail and coach Pry needs to come in and say, Hey, listen, you might be doing these things on the recruiting trail. You're not going to beat us on the field. And I'm going to come in and you're not going to, you're not going to take these guys away from us and take them out of Virginia anymore either. Um, so I'll put I'll put Carolina number two, and I will put UVA at number three for obvious reasons. You got two new head coaches in the Commonwealth. This is Virginia Tech State. Tony Elliott is not going to win in Lane Stadium his first year as head coach. You know, absolutely not. Um, so those are my three. What about you? So number one may 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 shock people. Miami being left off of the schedule uh, next year is an albatross. It is horrible. I hate it. I uh, I hate it more every day that I think about it. And the way that I think about it <clears throat> is Miami's going to come in with a good team. And if Tech can find a way to beat Miami in that onslaught of the middle of the season that we've been talking about and go into this hiatus of a game that we literally should play every year, I'm putting Miami as number one. Um, I think that would be a capstone, huge, huge win for Coach Pry to go in with a lesser roster and uh, beat the coach that everybody's talking about in uh, in this conference. So I'm going to go with Miami number one. <clears throat> I'm going to go with Boston College as number two. Boston College, it is going to be – I legitimately think this is going to be the most packed we've seen this stadium for since 
I wouldn't be surprised if it looked the way that it looked before the Ohio State game in 2014. The energy and the excitement surrounding this program uh, is at an all-time high for when I say all-time, all-time since since I went to school there. Um, I, I think there's no better way to kick off this era than to go on national television, kind of ACC network, uh, and find a way to be Boston College in front of a sellout crowd. And then we're rolling. And then we're rolling into Wofford, West Virginia, and then North Carolina. Number three is tough. Uh, number three, I considered going with North Carolina. I really, really did. Uh, I considered going with NC State because, again, that's another team that's going to be really, really good. And I considered going with UVA. Um, but I didn't go with UVA. Because the expectation is that Tech beats UVA every single year. So I'm going to go with number three on my wish list to beat West Virginia on Thursday night in a trophy game against Neil Brown. This is the get out of town, West Virginia, handle your business again on the national stage. I want to kick this habit of just laying eggs on national stages. We've done it far too often. West Virginia is a team that is – not very good, in my opinion. And Neil Brown's been on the hot seat. Um, so that's uh, that's my list. Miami. Who did I say second? I already forgot. Boston College and West Virginia. Those are my three. I love the uh, I love how we can have variety here because every single game is going to be important. Mm-hmm. Old Dominion beat us the last time we were there. Wofford. Mm-hmm. We've never played Wofford. You know you can't you can't lose to Wofford in front of Mike Young and no. Kevin Giltner. And Hunter Couture, you know, um, <laughs> Pittsburgh. I mean, you go you go to Heinz Field or whatever it's called now, and you're not going there expecting to win. Like that is not that is not our mo right now, or that is not our energy. Um, Virginia Tech football has had some serious issues at, uh, up there. Um, you know, NC State. We haven't played there in 12 years. It's been a, a long time. They're going to be really good. Um, Georgia Tech, like you got to tell Georgia Tech and you got to tell Duke and you got to tell Liberty, like we are better football programs than all three of you guys. Liberty's a revenge game. And then, of course, UBA. So big stretch uh, in October, man. Pittsburgh, Miami, NC State, back to back to back, uh, other than that bye week in between NC State. All three of those teams are ranked uh, in preseason. So should be fun. And that's a podcast. Pat, it's been a pleasure. This was a ton of fun. It always gets a little weird when Mike McDaniel comes on. We always we always get a little goofy. So I've had a, <laughs> I've had a ton of fun. But as always, follow us over on uh, Twitter and Instagram, LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah, share it with share it with your BDRs, share it with your AEs, share it with your technical evangelists, uh, and also on uh, TikTok and now YouTube, where you can see this video. I believe we're going to be able to get it up. I think this is I think this is I think this is the time it's going to happen. So yeah. Um, Sons of, uh, subscribe to YouTube. Yeah. Sons of Saturday. We're, yep. We want to see that number tick up. Yep. Uh, Sons of Sat VT on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and also, as you guys know, or maybe don't know, Virginia, we will be hosting an event at the Brick in Charleston for the Old Dominion game. Uh, check us out on Facebook. We have the event there if you want to go ahead and register. That's going to be a ton of fun. We're looking forward to it. But that's an episode. We got some awesome stuff coming up. Next week, we got position previews going out every Monday, Wednesday, Friday. We also have Coach Foster coming on next week. And then if you didn't see it on Twitter, we have Coach Beamer live in person in Blacksburg to cap off what has been an extremely special August. Um, So 
Looking forward to it. Everybody have a great weekend and rest of your week. Time to wander, tripping in the sand We smoke out windows, drink till we can't stand But I saw you 